Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. I just, I'm not in a position to start anything right now. I met you on Friday, we slept together on Saturday, it took me to meet your mother on Sunday, and then we can't start anything. That's the tightest little relationship I've ever had. Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello. Hey. 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 Whoa. Whoa. I'm a Philip Hunter. And I'm a Wayne Stellini. Welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. And Wayne, we have a special guest today. <gasps> we do? We do! Introducing Kendall! Yay! Hey. Kendall, welcome back! Thank you for having <laughs> me back. It's an absolute pleasure. Always fun to have Kendall with us in the right film. Most certainly. And Kendall, what have you been watching recently? What have I been watching recently? Well, as a fan of certain American sitcoms such as Parks and Recreation and The Good Place, I have gone a bit back further and started a first through rewatch, well, watch, I should say, a first watch <laughs> of uh, The Office, Ooh. the American version. I am at the approaching the very end of season three, so I'm still in the early days of its nine seasonal run, but my God, I'm loving it. I, like, I've always said Parks and Rec is actually my favorite uh, like sitcom ever. I adore it through yeah. and through. And this is made by the same people, The Office. You know, people talk about The Office and how kind of iconic it is uh, just in terms of internet culture and uh, in terms of its level of comedy. Like, it, I am so impressed. It's mm. so great. I am loving hating on Steve Carell's really? Michael <laughs> Scott. He is awkwardly hilarious. But there's some beautiful, beautiful characters in this show, beautiful stories. And I'm, yeah, I'm really glad that I'm finally actually watching it. I'm addicted. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Nice one, nice one. And Wayne, what have you been watching since our last podcast? Well, I have also dipped into a bit of TV. (laughs) Yes. And so it's no secret that I am a huge Simpsons fan. Mm. (laughs) Yep. Who knew? Uh, Who knew, yes. Uh, If you didn't know, where have you been? Yes. Yes. Uh, So I actually finally got around to watching the Simpsons Family Guy crossover. That's interesting because their types of humour are different. Mm. Uh, There's a lot of great uh, references to how the Family Guy essentially copied the template of The Simpsons. (laughs) Yes. And in such an inferior way too, I might add. Mm. (laughs) And I've watched episodes of The Family Guy before. This was not my introduction to this this world or these characters. Mm. But even then I found that I really was only watching it because of Stewie and Brian. (laughs) Uh, Meg I really like as well Mm -hmm. because she's the underdog. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, even Lois, I love that incredibly annoying voice. (laughs) (laughs) Peter, I've never liked. I find him incredibly annoying. I really... (laughs) unlikable yeah. unaccessible protagonist yeah. um, and Chris I am very indifferent to so mm. unlike for example The Simpsons where I just love the entire family and the supporting characters I've never really been that close with the family guy again I'll watch it for Stewie's moments I love Brian as well yeah yeah I'm the same yeah and so then watching this two-parter from the family guy called The Simpsons guy mm. <laughs> um when you see them side by side, and they do it really well, considering the type of humour that both shows are. Yeah. But it obviously skews more to the Family Guy because mm-hmm. that's the series we're in. Mm. But still, when you see them side by side, you just notice how inferior a product the Family Guy is overall yeah. compared to The Simpsons. Yeah. Just in terms of the quality of gags, the quality of the characters as well. And it has a fight at the end between Homer and Peter, which we all want and everything. And it's, it's so good though. It's so over the top. And yes, yeah. the Simpsons pushes reality a lot. Like, mm. but what it does is it works so well because it grounds itself in reality mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. So Homer almost feels out of place in this fight because it goes to extremities that he wouldn't even really go to. Mm. And yes, this is a man who tried to jump the Springfield Gorge and <laughs> failed miserably and still survived, survived to tell the tale. Yeah. And what is absolutely beautiful is they reference the Gorge in this episode, <laughs> which I love because it's one of the greatest long-running gags of The Simpsons, mm-hmm. even features in The Simpsons movie. And mm. so all of us fans just wet ourselves at that because that was amazing uh, but I'm glad that I've actually got it out of my system again I loved you know Stewie in this as well so much he's, yeah. he's on his A he's in his A game Absolutely. here and Bart who's you know kind of a bit of a, a bad boy rebel but has a heart of gold is paired up with Stewie here yeah. who really has no redeeming features no. whatsoever <laughs> so 
have the fact that he gets back at Nelson for picking on Bart the way he does it also amazing. Yeah, overall it was you know it was a good two parter, yeah. but it did affirm what I always knew. Simpsons is king. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that was that was fun. So that was my dabble into TV. Nice. Since our last podcast. Phil, what have you been watching? Well, I've been watching An Angry Brit. Okay. <laughs> I have been watching old episodes of Hell's Kitchen. Hey, Gordon oh. Ramsay. So oh. still on TV as well. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Hell's Kitchen. I love yep. the series so much. Yeah. So, yeah, what have yeah, you, what so, have you been, which season are you on, or what have you been watching? Yeah, so we've been watching, Kath and I have been watching some, um, mainly just sort of highlight, highlight reels on YouTube at the moment. Oh, okay, yeah. But we, every now and then, yeah, sit down and watch the, the actual seasons, out of order, of course, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, it's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just, it's absolutely amazing, so be it Hell's Kitchen or Kitchen Nightmares, for us, it's always interesting, the different countries that it's set mm. in so for example with um i, I know it's not uh, hell's kitchen but kitchen nightmares the british version it's a lot less yelly and more mm. actually trying to teach a lot more disappointment <laughs> gordon whereas in the american one there's a lot of yelling there's a lot of drama there's a lot of and you can tell it's sort of set for two different nationalities yeah mm. um, and this you see him again hell's kitchen you see him he's yelly he's the shouty man because it's america they need that drama and they need that in your faceness they need that fighting they need the ratings they need the ratings. <laughs> yeah. yeah but definitely yeah we we really enjoy watching yeah. that sort of thing because i think that to me is where reality tv is at its best mm-hmm. where it's actually pitting people that are got skills it's not just like I used to love um, Iron Chef. Mm-hmm. It's got people who actually have skills pitting themselves against other people who have got similar yeah. strong skills. Like, like Master Chef. Like Master Chef. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Like Master Chef. And it's about the artwork and proficiency of their skills as opposed to, oh, look at my life and look, oh, look, we're nine random people on an island who don't know. <laughs> All that. BS, we can't stand... Well, I can't stand that stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, it depends on the so. angle of the show, I suppose, and yeah. what the objective is. One thing about Hell's Kitchen, I find, the American series anyway, is that if you watch season one, mm. it is very much an aggressive... Like, he is just over the top. And, mm. yeah. Like, the language even has my jaw dropping. Some of the words and mm. the ways he speaks to the contestants and sometimes customers... And um, which actually is always quite funny <laughs> to the customers, but the yeah, as the series progresses, he does mellow a little mm. bit because I guess they've got the hook there, so you'll just watch him do anything. Yeah, but I'm a fan of Hell's Kitchen, it's one of my favorite reality shows, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So, we've all dabbled in TV, yeah, uh, yeah, with some sort of mixed results there. Mm. But Philip, we watched a film, yes. Mm. So, what are we discussing today? Today, we're reviewing the 2005 Australian independent film. Look both ways. Tell us about it, Janet. (laughs) Look both ways follows the stories of several people over a hot summer weekend in Adelaide. Photojournalist Nick, William McInnes, discovers he has cancer that has spread to his lungs. On his way home, he goes to the site of a train accident to report on it and meets Meryl, Justine Clark, an emotionally vulnerable artist who has witnessed a man getting run over by a train. Meanwhile, Andy Walker, Anthony Hayes, has to deal with the news that his estranged girlfriend, Anna, Lisa Flanagan, is pregnant, and Anna has to wrestle with this unexpected change in her life. We also get glimpses into the lives of Julia, Daniela Farinacci, the partner of the man run over by the train, and the train driver, Andreas Sobek. Both characters are going through the seven stages of grief. Kendall, which way did you look in Look Both Ways? Ooh, which way did I look? Good question. I don't know how I hadn't heard of this film until this podcast (laughs) um, because it's fantastic. I really, really, I don't want to say enjoyed because, (laughs) Mm. only because... uh, it's not an enjoyable experience watching this film, yeah. but it it resonates with you mm. as yes. a human. It, it forces you to kind of face 
things in life that you would otherwise like to leave in the back of your mind. Uh, it's very confronting the way the, the way it handles and approaches all these different characters' perspectives on life and in, in particular death. And yeah, having been through some of that recently in life, I'm just it just really affected me quite mm. deeply. And and then just because I'm also you know getting older you become more acutely aware of your mortality and so the fact that these characters are all kind of around our age roughly you know and experiencing these things in life and facing up to to you know the prospect of death too soon kind of or just as a way of life is happening you know it was meant to be like (laughs) you know yeah it's just it's very powerful and i love the way the script is set out the way it's written and just not necessarily all the dialogue a lot of the dialogue's really good but i just really loved how effective the use of the 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 animations Mm. in 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 kind of you know showing us what meryl is thinking i could relate to that so much (laughs) i i do that yeah. yeah, I do that. Like, I don't, I know, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm sure a lot of people kind of, you know, your mind wanders and thinks mm. of things that, oh God, what's worst case scenario here? Like, yeah, you, your mind just kind of it can't help but go to those yeah. places sometimes. And I kind of really understood that, what she was feeling and stuff. But yet she's, she managed to find a way to get on with it, even mm. though th- things, things can happen. And, and I just, and the way that the film deals with tragedy. Uh, senseless tragedy and the way it discusses that and focuses on that through the lens of these characters and the fact that it opens up the film opens up with a a big train accident that's awful and it kind of frames the film but Mm. then it's not even about that specifically because then we have another accident that occurs at the beginning that's not connected but not connected i guess um adjacent to it and it just I just love the way it affected everyone and how everyone kind of expressed that and the yeah. way the film showed that. I It, it was very powerful to me. Mm. What about you guys? Yeah, I also... Um, I've heard of Look Both Ways, but this is the first time I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, the director, Sarah Watt, is a phenomenal talent. Mm. And the story here is framed quite interestingly i find i like the idea of how a single incident that scene that yes is sad Mm -hmm. we hear about it on the news and it's a two-minute story we move on to the next thing yeah we feel for the victim we feel for the people involved we get on with our lives these are people who are all connected to this incident in Mm -hmm. some way or another Mm -hmm. and they can't shake it off clearly because they have this intimate connection some more than others Mm -hmm. yeah I find it quite fascinating that the main perspective is through the characters portrayed by William McInnes and Justine Clark, two mm. phenomenal actors. Oh my just God. absolutely incredible. Mm. They're brilliant. Yes, and I've been particularly a fan of William McInnes forever. Oh, me too. Yeah, just, Blue Heelers. He is just, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He is like He's... Australian television and film royalty. He is just oh, he incredible. Is. Uh-huh. And he demonstrates this here. He showcases so many wonderful emotions mm-hmm. as well. When you've got... I guess um, interlocking stories and stories crossing over, you can lose some to others and some just sort of maybe don't feel, not that they don't feel as relevant, but we almost be like, okay, you're not as interesting as others. Mm -hmm. So for me, the strongest part of this was Nick and Meryl's story. Yeah. 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 I loved Andy as a character as well. I have to say, I think just really well mm. but I found that the conversations between Nick and Meryl were mm. just beautifully they done were, yeah. the dialogue was absolutely gorgeous I love that as well that we do cut as you said uh, Kindle to these animations and illustrations because we're linking that to how Meryl sees the world yeah uh, she's very creative mm-hmm. and we see that she's you know has her own studio where she does paintings and illustrations and and, and she's thinking of worst case scenarios I do that too, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, in yeah. certain situations, especially if I'm feeling a little bit anxious or on edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually get comforted in thinking of worst case scenarios, believe <laughs> it or not. So it was quite lovely to see that Meryl was as well. Yeah, and yeah. she's got this kindred spirit in Nick because Nick has a similar way of dealing with things. Mm-hmm. His, however, are generally in still images because he's a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. So he sees things in photographs. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, you know, we've got the flashbacks of him and his mm. and his 
parents and mm. his his dying father as well but even mm. that when his father talks there'll be a hard cut and then the next sentence yeah. so it's like a moving photograph yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not these really long drawn out scenes Mm-hmm. I absolutely love how those cutaways and those inserts reflect the characters. Mm-hmm. They're really yeah, reflective of how they see the world and how they frame the world and also deal with things as well. Mm. One of the loveliest moments that I found between Nick and Meryl was when they are intimate for the mm. first time mm. because we have this recurring code of, of Meryl in the water. Mm. And being eaten by sharks or drowning and and things like that. And we have uh, snippets of Nick's cancerous cells just mutating and growing and Mm. and, and destroying him from the inside. And when the two make love, those images merge. Mm. And not only do they merge, by morning Nick's cancer has gone and Meryl is floating. She's not drowning. That is such a beautiful image. Yeah foreshadowing that these two people need one another, Mm. that they sort of cure their ailments for each other, not in a literal medical or scientific way, but just in this emotional, spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. There's a beautiful underlying through Meryl about the bitterness of loneliness and just Mm. wanting companionship, just human feelings that we all want. Mm -hmm. Nick needs it too. He's Mm -hmm. not, he doesn't really articulate it. I don't feel, but you can tell this is what he needs Mm. as well. Yeah. So whilst this story is multifaceted and there's lots of perspectives, look, great performances all around. I will put that out there right now. Mm. Beautifully constructed. There is just something particularly about Nick and Meryl's narrative that stuck out to me and I just wanted more and more yeah, of them. Yeah, and yeah. if, honestly, the film was only about them, I'm oh, a <laughs> very happy camper. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we do get some other really interesting characters, Andy especially, I really like, <laughs> bonus. Yeah. But yeah, this is a this is a really strong piece. Like you've said, uh, Kendall, it's not an enjoyable movie. And if I did have to say something overall, maybe some more of those touches of humor that we get throughout the film, I Mm. think I would have I would have been drawn to it a little bit more. But what it delivers and what um, Sarah what hands in is absolutely solid, solid filmmaking, solid storytelling. Yeah. Philip, you brought this one to us. Yes. Well, I actually have quite a bit of a history with this (laughs) film, so. Not only did I actually do this in VCE, Mm. so this was one of our pieces for English that we had to... Which just boggles my mind because this is a heavy... Oh, yeah. Heavy film. Yes, but as somebody who is an English teacher, I can easily see why you would study it because there's so many themes that you can pick from as well. Yeah, Mm. Yeah. Um, but not just that. We also... Um, I also uh, performed this mm. in uh, my theatre arts course back in 2009. We actually toured it around regional Victoria. Oh, so a full adaptation film? Yeah. Not, not like a scene study? Like no, a no, full, like full adaptation start to finish. A few bits and pieces cut out for the theatre. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was actually, my understanding is we got full rights from Sarah White. I believe she actually came to see one of the shows too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, what year we, was that, mate? Uh, 2009. Oh, nice. But yes, yeah, so so I've got a very strong connection to this film. Mm-hmm. But again, I love the the visuals. I love uh, the soundscape. Uh, the acting, as you've you've said, Wayne, mm. is superb. I'm a big fan of the theming of this show. Mm. Yes, while some of the uh, storylines aren't as memorable as others, mm. they all link in the same themes. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like even just some of the smaller parts. Anna is uh, sitting in with some of her housemates and they're actually discussing the newspaper article. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've got this little uh, nugget of just people that aren't connected to it. How do they talk about it? Oh, well, it's... Look at the picture. It's this beautiful woman. Oh, is it only tragic if it happens to a beautiful woman? All this stuff. Meanwhile, we as the audience see her reactions to everything, her dealing, Julia, the, 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 the partner left behind mm. dealing with well wishes and looking at, at coffins and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. She's not just the statistic. Yeah. She's not just the girl in the picture on today's That's paper. That's it. Tomorrow. It's a new face on a paper. Yeah. It's a new story. Again, yeah, yeah. we've moved on. Yeah. Mm. She hasn't. Mm. These people, as you say, like, and housemates, they have the luxury of analyzing it from a cultural and media perspective. Mm. And 
maybe their points are absolutely right. Absolutely. Mm. You know, if she wasn't a white, heterosexual, middle-class woman, would she have made the front page? Probably not. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. But she has. So that yeah. says a lot about our culture and so forth. Mm-hmm. But what we don't acknowledge she's still a human being who is grieving like anybody else would and suffering because in that point of time, Julie is not sitting there going, well, at least I'm a white middle-class heterosexual woman. (laughs) You know what I mean? So she's not thinking of of how the media are portraying her in a sympathetic way or anything like that. No, especially because just not to interrupt, because she, as soon as she sees herself in the paper, the way she she reacts to that, broke me a bit <laughs> because she's there acknowledging that she's almost just this inconsequential thing it's or being used yes. her grief is being used yes. to sell papers well yeah. it's interesting because how andy reacts to the photo as well mm. i loved his reaction he's yeah, me too. really passionate about telling the story about the suicide rates involving men because it's this silent killer that you know it's not sexy news it doesn't sell papers mm. or anything but this is the angle he wanted to to go with for better or worse yeah. because he's kind of drawing a lot of conclusions because let's face it if that was you know what the photo depicted it may have offended even more so mm. but i like the different reactions we've got yeah. people who are analyzing it from a critical point of view we've got somebody who's physically in the photo and feels offended it's almost like this intrusion of a mm. very private personal moment it's captured there when she realizes that something has gone on and yeah. involving her partner yeah. you know we've got the artistic element of the photograph because it is a beautiful photograph it's so mm. well taken it's very emotive mm-hmm. then we've got the writer who's like well no this photo doesn't match the words it doesn't match my angle we've got the person who is editing the paper who wants to sell pay- papers all of these different factors coming in through this photo mm. and all of these different storylines are connected to it still well i was going to say on that the way the editor reacts to the photo when he, when you know mm. is it is it phil is it phil yeah. yeah phil and andy are having that conversation on the phone about the photograph yeah and there's that moment where i think phil kind of alludes to the fact that this was the photo that nick selected yes. and sent and submitted mm. so i feel like the way phil is kind of trying to get this across to Andy is that because um, he knows yeah. Nick has cancer. Yes. It's more than what his words are trying to say. Yes. It's, it's Nick who is, you know, going through this tremendous, Nick awful thing. This. He needs, correct. He, mm. That's the word I'm looking for. He needs this. There is a discussion as well about how, you know, every photographer has that one great photo. Yeah, mm. correct. And I suppose that's Phil then acknowledging, well, maybe this is, what Nick feels is his one great photo. Yep. It's like, let's give him this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But even then you could sort of go back to the idea that it's gone the next day. Absolutely. It's yeah. moved on. And even then the intentions of the photo are still manipulative. Yeah. Because then it's not about the story. No. It's not about the subject matter. Mm. It's this personal favor yeah. between respected colleagues. Yeah. And I think maybe the reason that Nick maybe picked this photo is because it kind of also represents what he, he is going through himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first stage of grief. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yes. It's, yeah. It's that's what he's captured. Yeah. And he's just found out he is ill mm-hmm. and he is going through that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, so wonderfully kind of yes. surmised in this photo yeah. like my goodness and along with all this sort of going back to it all i love the repetition mm. that this movie uses mm-hmm. that lines are used but maybe the context has changed mm. so like uh, meryl at the when she first meets nick has this sort of little spiel and one of the things she says is maybe it was meant to be yes. you know, maybe it was meant to do, uh, die because he could have been a horrible person yeah and then through all the rubbish she's gone through at the end of the film, she she almost gets hit by a car but doesn't. Yeah. It rains and it's just, for her, it's the epitome of misery. Yeah. yeah. And then she remembers maybe it was meant to be. You know what I like even more about that particular moment is that she regrets it as soon as she says it. Mm. Yeah. But she regrets it because she envisions herself saying it to two indigenous people Mm. Mm. because that there opens another can of worms there (laughs) because you wouldn't say that to our indigenous community that the genocide that you're uh, 
community that your people have suffered. Well, maybe that was just meant to be. That's just the way it's supposed to work yeah. out. Yeah. You're still living below the poverty line compared mm. to most other Australians. Well, that's just how it's supposed to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. All of these different things. And then she sort of gets that back on her. It's like, well, maybe it was just the meant to be. Mm. And it's said to her through these Indigenous yeah. kids. Yeah. With humour. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I guess if we're looking at the stages of grief, that's her acceptance. Yeah, yeah. correct. You know, yeah. she's now at that stage of acceptance, which means that she can now move on. Mm-hmm. And we see that with the final montage at the very end. Mm-hmm. Then that's what she needed to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very yeah. cleverly framed that way. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, as somebody who loves poetry and repetition yeah. is a huge part of poetics. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a wonderful thing to point out, Philip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I also love and if you can pick it up on the mic, you might be able to hear it, but the rain um, in the movie <laughs> is used because it's meant to be a heat wave yeah. the entire weekend. Yeah. Mm. And then it, it's all this heat and heat is always seen as frustration and yeah. tempers rise. And mm. throughout the weekend, every, you can just see everyone getting more hot and bothered, hot and bothered. Yeah. Everything's going wrong. And then this rain just comes out of nowhere. It just cleanses. It cleanses. It washes everything away. Yeah. yeah. I just love how they've used all these visuals. And yeah. it's just so Because even, even that's when Nick kind of comes to his yeah. acceptance almost. Yeah. You know, and the two of them yeah. come together. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that, you know, when we consider the type of advanced cancer that Nick has. So he has testicular cancer, which is spread to his lungs. And he suggests mm. his brain as well. Yeah. So so incredibly intense. So we can only imagine the type of fight that he has to survive this thing. Yeah. But yet in this weekend that we spend with him, he's still running excessively. He's still really active. Um, and yet you've, you've got lumps in certain parts of your body. There are moment. There's that beautiful moment where he's in the shower and he's washing his chest. Oh, yeah. And he takes that moment to sort of feel. And I'm just thinking... Are you feeling new lumps maybe developing yeah. on your body? Like yeah. that's such a really sad moment. Uh-huh. And he's not at that stage of complete acceptance because he's struggling. How am I going to tell my mother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just lost her husband mm-hmm. to this horrible disease, yeah. right? And he has that moment where he sort of stands up for his dad because he was, mm. you know, needless to say yeah it's hard work looking after somebody that ill and everyone feels frustrated but he's looking at it from the point of view of his father and how he would have experienced that because he knows he is going to be in that position very very soon yeah Yeah, it's 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 a beautifully framed narrative Mm -hmm. um, that nick particularly has but we see that even him going on with his life the way he does for example, he doesn't feel the pain of having testicular cancer because it's such a sensitive area. Yeah. You know, and a lot of guys who, before they even discover that they have the disease, feel pain. Mm. Because it's quite painful mm. in such a, again, sensitive region and yeah. it's, you know, near the lower back and kidney area. Mm-hmm. That's where you're first feeling this pain. Yeah. But it seems that Nick doesn't have that. Mm. I found that interesting. I'm yeah. not sure how accurate that is, but yeah. I think for the purpose of his story, I was okay with it overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's but fair. yeah, but yeah, there's this wonderful yeah. use of, of repetition of lines, of imagery, mm. of linking characters together mm. as well. Um, even the even the line, you know, oh, you have cancer, is in cancer, cancer. It's okay when Meryl says it. Yeah. When Andy <laughs> says it, he gets shot down <laughs> for it. Yeah. But like, I, isn't that like the third time it's been said? Yeah, it's it said yeah. by Phil at the start. Yeah. Then by Meryl. Yeah. Then by Andy. By the time Andy says yeah. it, remembering Andy is someone that is not well known for <laughs> tact. <laughs> so when Meryl sort of says it, yeah. uh, uh, Nick is almost sort of being like, yeah, yeah. you know, mm, this is a thing. Yeah. Let her process. But Andy says it. Andy's an a-hole. <laughs> Nobody likes him, particularly likes Andy or the way he does stuff. So Nick feels more than happy to go, yes, cancer, cancer. What other type of cancer is there? Yep. And it's funny though, because, but then also like Nick uh, is in a different stage of his grieving and acceptance period. Yeah. So he's kind of like, well, yes, now I've accepted, I can't deny it. (laughs) And it's interesting that this whole process essentially happens over that one weekend. I mean, Mm. you even have Meryl say that it's the tightest little relationship I've ever had. Yeah. And I love though, because we talk about this being such a heavy and ultimately sort of sad movie, Mm. if you look at it, some of its parts. 
I like the very ending though, mm. that it does t- go through a photo montage of him essentially. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. fighting yeah. and getting better now. Yeah. Some people might say, "Oh, you don't need that. You don't. You can leave things open ended." Blah blah blah. But I think for this particular movie, I it think it needed that. Needed us to go. Everything's fine. Just, <laughs> yeah, just like with when, like at the end, just before that, we get we find out that this little five year old girl has actually survived the train yeah. crash from yes. the very start of the film. I'm so glad they put that in there yes. because otherwise, it's just so bleak and so. Mm. I mean, life is bleak. Yeah, yeah but th- there should be allowed to be some glimmers of hope, or at least like you should at least go. Well, you know, things can work out. Things mm. are meant to turn out good there is, for certain people. Yeah, there is light even in the darkest yeah. of moments yeah. and I will say just in terms of that uh, montage there of Nick and Meryl at the end mm. now I'm somebody who I will say time and time again I don't want to be spoon fed I want to do the work myself mm. uh, you know I think spoon feeding is absolutely lazy in terms of filmmaking <laughs> Thank you for putting that video yeah. that, that montage <laughs> at the very end. Thank you. I needed that 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 still video image. Yeah. I needed yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Big. I just it, it's that breath of fresh air. It's that yeah. sigh yeah. of relief. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think you actually make a perfect point mm-hmm. to that. It all comes down to the context and what's yeah. needed. Sometimes we. It's not so much even spoon feeding. It's just that reassurance. Yeah, we, yeah But yeah. I think also what we go through with these characters and what we see them go through as well because, and I know that you've said that Andy probably nobody likes him. <laughs> I love you, Andy. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we no. love to hate him. No. We, <laughs> I love to love him. I, like, fair enough, fair enough. I, I liked Andy. I well. love Andy. I yeah. was so sympathetic with him, especially because he's got... A, a child on the way and you know his, his ex is like not sure what she wants to do and so forth I love that it's yeah. shown that he actually has the baby yeah yeah. I, like I love that yeah. I absolutely love that it's good and I love it because this film has such a beautiful depiction of masculinities and femininities within men and women mm-hmm. and it is beautifully balanced as well it is gorgeous and again I love that still photograph mm. montage at the end it tells us that you know, sometimes the fight is really worth it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think the difference as well as between spoon feeding mm. and just that reassurance is that if this had of spoon fed us mm. what's happened, we would have gotten a five years later and a little... A full scene. A full scene yeah. and stuff. We know that he had the baby, but we don't know if Anna and uh, Andy are still together yeah. per se or whether he went along with what she said, that mm. she would... You know, he'd keep the baby in there. We don't need to know that. All no. we need to know is there's a baby in his life. Yes. And that, we that can and we can draw our own conclusions. Exactly. For example, that's that single image told me that's exactly how it panned out. Mm. He they're not together. They're not mm. good for each other. No. She didn't want the baby. Mm. He was happy to have it and he yeah, because the relationship that he has with his two children, he's a loving father, mm. but you know, his ex-wife is not a nice person no. at all. No. And so this is like his own second chance and his own redemption. Yeah. And you're right. We don't know if Nick stays in remission. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't yeah. know that. Yeah. But the implication that everything came out all right yeah. makes me just latch onto that and say, and they lived happily ever after. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But you're right. And for such a heavy movie, we need that you little bit. You need to yes. relax, don't you? Yeah. Because yeah. I think, again, the difference between a movie, the movies that we don't need that mm. spoon feeding are ones where it has, it's less about this is the... Uh, the story more about these are the questions. Yes. When they're open-ended questions and they're questioning everything, we don't need to be spoon-fed an answer. Mm. No. But this movie is telling a story. Yes. It's the questions in it are more about how, what do you do with grief? How do you Mm. deal with relationships? But their actual story Mm -hmm. has no questions to it per se so that relief allows us to as you say Mm. just breathe yeah Yeah. I think it's balanced really well too especially Mm. because not every character in the film that we see actually gets a happy ending no exactly you know like you know last time we see Julia she's they've come to this uh, you know resolution with the train driver and Mm. I love that he's uh, his process of coming to terms with what's happened he goes to the door he says 
I'm the train driver and she says it's not your fault I, and that's handshake that's all they need I have I have things to say about that because and go. because like the whole film mm. I was wondering I'm like are they not getting any lines because maybe they don't want to pay them <laughs> like the actors like is, is it a is yeah. it a logistical thing um, but then when the film wrapped up and I was left feeling quite the opposite I think the silence was used purposefully. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For, and for this extra impact, because you know what? I didn't actually realize that was the train driver. Yeah. I thought uh, I thought it was uh, one of the other police officers because he had like a almost police blue, yeah. blue shirt. Yeah. So I kind of put that together. I didn't even think he was the train driver. Uh, See, I got that he was the train driver, but you know what I didn't notice until mm. you just mentioned it, Kendall, mm. that they didn't have dialogue. No, I'm going to say I actually didn't say a word until the end. I actually did not notice that Mm. at all, and the reason why I did not notice that is because Sarah Watt knows how to tell a story. Yeah, with visuals, their visuals said so much that it never occurred to me they didn't speak. Yeah, because I I would have been fine if if they hadn't spoken because the way those actors delivered their emotions and their expressions mm. and, and what they were feeling without words so beautifully. And mm. so she's clearly directed them. Yeah. Just, oh, out, definitely. just outstanding, like uh, on every level. But I, yeah, the fact that we, the only time they speak and that's the exchange. Yeah. They literally have one. Oh my God. And it makes more point. Yeah. It doesn't it? They oh, literally it have one line each. Mm. He says, I'm, I'm the, the train, train driver. No, two lines each. Two right? lines, yeah. Um, I'm the train driver. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then she says, it's not your fault. And that's the yeah. only lines they get. And it's so, and then the fact that they hold hands. And, yes. Oh my love, God. It was, yeah. I love me. the addition of the sun as well. Mm. Now talking about bits that didn't need to be there. That whole uh, estranged son who's, mm. uh, and how they deal with each other. That didn't need to be there at all. All. No, no. But it was really nice to see. Just you, just all you see is that mm. the sun goes from sort of glam rock or glam yeah. goth, whatever clothing. Yeah. And throughout the weekend, just yeah, he tones it down. Tones it down for yeah. his dad because. Yeah. But this is so beautiful. And again, yeah. this is one one of the things that I love. Again, a depiction of masculinity at its very best. Because you're right, the the boy comes in just kind of like as in any teenager, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another moment. He's reading the newspaper when he sees his dad in the distance, flips it over. I'm not acknowledging this story because mm. it involves you and it's going to hurt you. Mm. That moment of having a beer together mm. and then him going with him, staying at the mm. car, umbrella covering himself. Dad is drenched, but he's there as a support. Yeah, didn't need to be there. No, but is the moment, is that narrative better for it? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 and yeah. now I can't imagine it without them, yeah, without yeah. that interaction because we're getting depth. Yeah. We need to know mm-hmm. as much as we can about this train driver because it's not just a statistic. Mm. No. Sarah what cares about her character. That's yeah. it. And this is how she tells us about him. Yeah, mm. it's wonderful. Amazing. I feel there's literally just one part of this movie that I felt was a bit corny and it's sort of, oh, did you really need that? And that was the part where Anna's at the hospital at her job mm. and she's hit with a double barrel of a father sitting there going, uh, you know, she says, well, sorry, your kid's not that sick. How do you know? You're not. You don't have kids or well, whatever. Well, it even starts and before that with the mum when she's well, yeah, when she's yeah. dealing with that and, and like you she's know like, do, do you, you have, have kids? kids and she's like no. no. Like, oh, that's surprising because you're really good. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. yeah and yeah. then to go to and to that and then to the coworker. Can you work on the public holiday because you don't you have, have any kids? kids. Yeah, See, this is funny. It's a three beat kind of hit. And to me, that was just it felt a little horseshoe in. It Ooh. felt a little bit sort of. Okay, we need to we, we need to get a little bit of character development on this character for the bits that we're coming up to. Let's just throw it all into this one scene. And I'm not saying stuff like that doesn't happen, mm. but then I also like I, I sort of said uh, to the guys, I said when the the, the dad comes in, you don't know how sick she is. Uh, you yeah. don't have kids. I'm like any other nurse I know would have put a great big fake smile on and said. I'm sorry, sir, but those who are medically trained know what I mean. You know what I mean? It's like, you're in triage. What do you want? I think I disagree with you about those moments because I feel like we have expectations of women as a culture and as a society. And women who have children are seen in a higher respect and are considered more Mm. valuable than women who do not have children. And even more so than women who choose not to have children. And Anna is one of those people who does not want children. So automatically she is lesser than a woman who has children and a woman who 
can't have children mm. or is not at the stage of having children. Mm. It then also enforces why she's still smoking while she's pregnant, yeah. why she has that those conversations with Andy. And also, like Meryl and Nick say, that they see death everywhere. He's, for example, Nick mm. is so sensitive to it because he's now facing down the barrel of death. Mm. So it is everywhere to him now. Mm-hmm. She's pregnant. So all she's thinking about is children. So everything is heightened. Yeah, and I think that. that is the perspective yeah. as well. I just felt it was less about like what that was telling because mm. you're right. That's exactly what it's sh- uh, telling us, showing us, etc. Mm. It was just to me that it was as Kendall said that triple barrel straight off the bat one scene yeah it just felt a little horseshoe i was like should this not be maybe three separate scenes or three yeah. different i i don't think to... i think I, I get what you're trying to say i don't think horseshoe is the right word mm. i feel like it's more maybe it could have been it was very um heavy-handed heavy-handed that's, yeah maybe yeah, that's what I'm it's very heavy-handed yeah. it's not very subtle it's not very yeah kind of it, it's a bit clunky the way Hitch, it's handled. Like a freight train. especially yeah. <laughs> Um, especially with the way the nurse as the final word yeah, has yeah. that phrase. That's kind of what does it. I feel like they probably could have left it with just mm. the the mum, you know, you know, praising mm. her so much for the mm. way she is with the baby to then go to the, the angry yeah. father who's been waiting yeah. in three hours. I, wonder if, I feel like if they let it at that. Yeah. I wonder if fun. the head nurse was meant to be a comedic bit. Sort of like a... Oh, maybe, because I, I think it's maybe... It's a punchline. It's a punchline, but I, think I just think of... maybe that one failed. It Again, got, I'm not picking the, here. Do yeah. not get wrong. It, it, look, yeah, and do you know what? I can remember reacting yeah, I to reacted. that line. I did as But well, I can't yeah. even tell you what that reaction was. I think I may have, I think I may have chuckled a bit, mm. but... There's a chuckle, um, a groan. It's like, oh, here you go. Yeah. yeah it was just yeah. kind of like, oh, wow. Okay, they're yeah. really gunning this home. Yeah. yeah. So it's super effective and I... It's and I definitely, can't get a break in that scene. She can't, <laughs> yeah. poor thing. And I, yeah. I really feel for her, especially as someone myself. I'm, you know, I'm single. I have no plans in the near future to have children, although I would like to one day. But I can understand that considering mm. a lot of a lot of my friends I grew up with are now having their f- mm. families and mm. having kids and all of that and you know they that's all they talk about because and why wouldn't you if you've got kids you're going to you know sing their praises all the time mm. um, and curse them out when they're not so great but <laughs> you know that's 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 what the you know they're how they're living and that's their lives and I'm so happy for them but so I can relate to Anna in this position of you don't have kids, how could you understand? Or you don't have kids, so therefore you can do this. Like, they make her... Like, they feel... They make, they kind of summarize her as a, as a, a non-parent, you know, and that's the, that's the, that's all she is. Yes. She's a woman who doesn't have kids. And is lesser than... Exactly. It's like what you were saying before, yes, exactly. So, Kendall, mm-hmm. final thoughts and score out of five. Ooh, okay. How can I sum up this film and give it a score? <laughs> I think I am so much better off for having seen this film just because not only it's uh, it's an incredible piece of Australian filmmaking mm. because I need to watch more Aussie films. I'm not ashamed to admit I haven't seen many and I yeah, I really want to watch more because there are so many great stories clearly being told on our doorstep and this is up there as one of the best I've seen. I really adored this film just for what it was trying to say and the way it was, like I said at the top of the, sh- the show, just tackling grief and approaching it from such a, you know, many complex and different perspectives and tackling life and how we as humans need to deal with things, go through things, get past things, or, mm. you know, and confront things that make us uncomfortable and, and, and make us kind of go, oh, okay. I guess uh, things are going to come to an end one day. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, w- I was in really highly in love with just the way it's, the cinematography was done, the mix of the animation. The, it was used at all the, all the right ways at all the right times, the way the script connected all our characters together, the, the, the use of dialogue and no dialogue mm. in the right spots was so powerful. And the performances from that cast, especially Will McInnes and Justine mm. Clark. My goodness, can't can't say you know enough about how great they were and how powerful. Especially William McGinnis, he yeah. stole the show for me. Just the way he was confronting his illness and looking at looking back on what his father went through and dealing with that, and uh, on top of everything else, and then this new love and 
you kind of kind of wonder whether or not he would have pursued things with Meryl if he hadn't been going through this, you know, like it's, mm. it's this, yeah, there's definitely so much more we could probably even go into with this film, <laughs> but we'd be here for a long time, I think. But yeah, no, a beautiful Australian film, a powerful and moving story that brought me to tears. I will give it a four and a half out of five. Beautiful. Yes. And Wayne, yourself? Yeah. Look, I'm a fan of Sarah Watt. Unfortunately, she's only made two movies. So <gasps> no, what a crime. Yeah. So uh, Sarah herself was diagnosed with cancer during post-production mm-hmm. of this film. Oh, my goodness. And her follow-up movie called My Year Without Sex. Oh, I've heard of that one. I will put forward is actually better than oh. Look Both Ways. So wow. if you enjoy okay. Look Both Ways because of the wonderful things that she does in this movie... And the way she tells a story, My Year Without Sex is another wonderful work. It's a oh. bit more quirky. It yeah. also has its dark moments. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous storytelling. Oh to, to be fair, you'd want your second film to be better than your first. <laughs> yes. But you know what? It's difficult to top yeah. such a strong introduction yeah. like Look Both Ways. Mm. Uh, yeah, you do always want to be improving. But when you begin your career in mainstream Australian cinema with something like this, yep. it is difficult. So, you know, for my money's worth, she topped it <laughs> second wow. time around. I don't think everyone agree- would agree with me, but yeah, it, My You Without Sex is also one that you must see okay. because Sarah Watt is a filmmaker that you must know. Um, unfortunately, she passed away after My mm. You Without Sex, oh. so she oh. has presented <laughs> two films. And that's all that we were able to get from her. But what a phenomenal legacy. Know her name, know her work. If you're interested in filmmaking and storytelling in general, study her because she is a master at what she did. So thank you, Sarah Watt, for giving us two fantastic films. But let's focus on Look Both Ways because this (laughs) is what we've been discussing today. And we've been enthusiastic about it for a lot of good reasons as well. It is a wonderfully told story. It is incredibly tight. The writing is Mm. so tight. The use of visuals is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Everything is done with intent, with purpose, and done to strong effect. William McGuinness, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Just... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to say any more about you because your name says it all, really. And this is one of the highlights of his stellar career. It is such a beautifully sensitive performance. Mm. The character is so well written. He is so, so finely tuned here within Mm. this world. The performance is incredibly strong. Justine Clark, fantastic as well as Meryl, an underrated Australian actor. She just does such a great job. And I also do want to shout out Anthony Hayes. Mm. Uh, Those three actors for me were absolutely in top form. This time around, they were the most interesting of the characters. They're the ones that I just wanted to watch nonstop. Uh, If I did have a critique of the film, I would have liked more of that beautiful dark humor that Sarah knew how to use put in there just to get that more balance of light and dark. Mm -hmm. Yes, I said dark humor, but that still gives us that little bit of relief. It's in here. Mm. Just like that a little bit more, think just a little bit more frequently Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is hard to look past look both ways Mm -hmm. so a very high four out of five from me Philip (laughs) yeah look I feel the same with all that and yeah just the visuals the Mm. sound I've said it before and I'll say it again absolutely love this film for me it's a solid five. Ooh, well done yeah i want to mention too quickly it did win multiple afi awards yeah at the time not hard to see why yes yeah. yeah. piece of work oh absolutely yeah mm. so wayne what do you have in store for us next time well next time i'm going to look to one of my favorite filmmakers and as clearly we now know Sarah Watt is one of mine. <laughs> but we're going to go to the United States to the man who directed my all-time favourite film. And that's Steven Spielberg. And mm. we can't really get to my favourite film until we look at his very first feature film. So we're going to look at his incredible masterpiece, oh Duel. Oh my god. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. Ooh. I can't wait for that. Fantastic like, film. I like the crap. sound of it at least. <laughs> yes. Yes. An incredible movie made for TV. 
did so well it was then shown in cinemas yeah. afterwards. Yeah. What a great introduction for Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. to audiences and for us to him as well. Ooh. I can't wait to show it to you. So until then, I've been a Wayne Stellini. I've been a Kendall Richardson. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've, you've just, just experienced, experienced Fred Watch. Watch. Cue music. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, cut that out, Philip. <laughs> Man, I love seeing that <laughs> instead of just hearing it. And scene. Blooper reel. Photojournalist Nick William McGuinness follows. On his way home, he goes to the site of a train accident to report on it and meets Merrill, Justine Clark, an emotional... <laughs> Meanwhile, Andy Walker, Anthony... <laughs> Meanwhile, Andy Walker, Anthony Hayes, has to deal with the news that his estranged girlfriend, Anna, Lisa Fang... Ooh, Flan... Flanagan? Flanagan, it is Flanagan, Mars. sorry. Meanwhile, Andy Walker, Anthony Hayes, has to deal with the news that his estranged girlfriend, Anna, Lisa Flanagan, is pregnant, and Anna has to wrestle with this news and... (laughs) Meanwhile, Andy Walker, Anthony Hayes, has to deal with the news that his estranged girlfriend, Anna, Lisa Flanagan, is pregnant, and Anna has to wrestle with this news... (sighs) Oh, new and unexpected change. Yeah, new and unexpected Meanwhile, Andy Walker, Anthony Hayes, has to deal with the news that his estranged girlfriend, Anna Flanagan, is pregnant. Oh, Phil. You said Anna Flanagan. <sighs> Meanwhile, Andy Walker, Anthony Hayes, has to deal with the news that his estranged girlfriend, Anna, Lisa Flanagan, is pregnant. And Anna has to wrestle with this news... Let's do this do you want to change, with do you this want to change it? unexpected change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we also get glimpses into the lives of Julia, Daniela Faccini. Faccini? Farinacci. 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 We also get glimpses into the lives of Julia, Daniela Farinacci, the partner of the man who got run of the man run over by. Yep. We also get glimpses into the lives of Julia, Daniela Farinacci, the partner of the man run over by the train, and the train driver, Andreas Sobik. Both characters are going through the seven... Yeah, again, I love the... I love this... Uh, the... Uh, um, cinema... Yes, while some of the storylines are a bit sort of... Uh, not as rememberable. Whilst, yes, some of the uh, storylines aren't as memorable. At her point, in that point of time, her name again is Anna. Julia. 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 Yeah, I was, was going to say Anna. Yeah, thank you. So, Kendall. Yes. Final thoughts and a score out of five. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, How to sum up this film. I'm just, I don't know. I'm so glad I've... I'm sorry. I'm going to close the door now because it's raining. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. It's fine. Can't control the weather. Control the roads one day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I really... Really enjoy, uh, enjoy, enjoyed. That's not a word. 